Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in it. We ask for you to stand and please join with us in this song. Oh, I forgot. Let's get our clap together first.
On last night, I explained to the choir that yes, we want to have this personal commitment unto God. But at the same time, we want to make sure that we are saying yes as a corporate body unto the Lord together. So it's very critical that we sing this in unity, especially on a day like today when we're going to hear about racial reconciliation. So all you have to do is say, and the people of God said yes, and the people of God said yes, and the people of God said yes. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Now we're going to say this together. continue worshiping God with me as we join together in prayer. Gracious and worthy God, we give you thanks this morning for this beautiful day, for the sunshine and the fresh air, and above all for the opportunity to come before you this morning in worship. You are the source of our lives, O oh God, of our love and of our hope. We thank you for Dr. McNeil's visit with us this week for the blessing she has been to us, for her wise words, her challenges, and her call to follow Jesus and seek a reconciled kingdom of God here on earth. Bless Dr. McNeil as she speaks with us again this morning. Open our hearts and open our minds to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we have Dr. McNeil come before us, we're going to sing one more selection and this song is very simple, and it's entitled, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Please sing along with us.
Good morning. My name is Brett Bridges and I'm a second year ASL major. Today we are pleased to have us again, with us again Reverend Dr. Brenda Salter McNeil, who came to talk to us on Wednesday's special chapel, where she challenged us to be more interculturally competent. She is a passionate visionary for the future of racial and ethnic reconciliation and travels to help spread this ever-growing passion. She has founded Overflow Ministries Incorporated, a nonprofit faith-based organization devoted to racial and ethnic reconciliation and works through Salter McNeil and Associates, a racial and ethnic reconciliation consulting firm based out of Chicago. She is here with us again today to talk to us about the heart of racial justice, how soul change leads to social change. Afterwards, we invite you to stay for a question and answer session immediately following Dr. McNeil's presentation. Please help me in welcoming again, Reverend Dr. Brenda McNeil Salter. Good morning. I have so enjoyed the worship this morning, uh, so very moved by your kindness on campus. And so for myself and for my colleague, Lisa Burnett, I really want to thank you so much for having given us such a uh, wonderful Goshen welcome. As I travel the country, I'll make sure to say good things about Goshen. So you now have a PR agent in me. I will, <laughs> I will make sure to, to give a shout out for Goshen because we have had a wonderful, wonderful visit with you. On Wednesday, we looked at a text that has become, for me, a seminal text, a signature sermon, if you will, around the steps of reconciliation or the steps toward intercultural competency, what it looks like for us to be intentional in moving forward in this value that we hold. And so we explored that looking at the model of Jesus and the woman at the well. Today I'd like to talk about how those steps literally lead to reconciliation because I know that a lot of you do a lot of uh, travel and take a lot of the steps that we've described together. But I want to talk about now what happened after Jesus made those intentional steps into another community and how in my view that leads to what I call the reconciliation cycle. So for the time we've got together this morning, I'd like to expose you to some of my thinking around what it looks like for a community become, to become a reconciled kingdom community that place where people of every tribe and every nation, every language, every ethnic group are able to coexist with Jesus at the center. So if you would, I'd like to read two portions of scripture for you. I want to go back for a moment to John chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 39 through 42 just to give us context. And then I'm going to end by going to Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to talk about, therefore, the commandment that Jesus gives to the followers that are going to follow his model of moving toward embracing people and, and uh, loving people who are different than we are. So hear now the word of God. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is about to leave his followers, and he says this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
This is the word of God, and we're grateful. As we looked for uh, some signs toward what it looks like to be this reconciled community, I realized that Jesus has this experience with one woman who then becomes a bridge for him to another community. And they say to him, we need to have more extended time with you. Would you stay longer? And I think sometimes uh, we have these interactions that are great. We see people, we interact with them, but we don't have the extended contact with them to really have the experience of watching our eyes open and experiencing them in a way that changes us. So the first thing that happens is that these Samaritans say, I know Jews and Samaritans don't mix at all. I know that we don't associate with each other and I know that we have real hatred, hot conflict between us. We do not care for each other. We don't, we don't uh, shop in the same areas. We don't worship in the same temples. We are at odds. You stay on your side of the tracks. We stay on our side of the tracks. And wherever, we never, ever, ever, meet in the middle but now that's exactly what Jesus is doing and as a result I want to suggest that they begin to have a realization that not all Jews are bad and that just perhaps this rumor that they've heard of a person who's come who's different who has a different agenda who is authentically a person who has come to be the representative of God in the earth maybe just maybe this person is who he says he is they say to the woman we kind of were curious because of you but now we've heard him for ourselves and we've come to the realization that he's who he says he is. When that realization happens, my friends, I want to suggest that it happens when we have had enough contact with people that the stereotypes that we've heard about them have a chance to be dismissed and that we also, from a, a group standpoint, get a chance to realize what are some of the things that are operating in our culture that make it difficult for people to come into it. So the Samaritans had to probably think about the fact that they too had ways that they had resisted Jesus' coming to them. So their realization was both individual, it was corporate, and they had to come to the realization that maybe, just maybe, everything we've thought about those people is not necessarily so. When that happens, we begin to have identification. We start to see ourselves in other people's stories. We begin to realize, you know what, they're not as different from us as we thought they were. Maybe, just maybe, we've got something in common with Jews. Go figure. Just maybe, just maybe, Mennonites and another denomination actually have things that they meet in the middle on. I now know that though we have things that are different, I now know that there's some things that we share in common and I identify with you. I remember when I was in college and we had some real conflict going on in our country with the Russians. That was the Cold War and everybody was scared of the communists and the Russians. And so I remember a guy named Sting. I listened a lot to his music and the police and so that kind of tells you my era and what I was about. But I remember one lyric that stuck real strongly with me and it simply said this, I hope the Russians love their children too. What he was saying was, Maybe when we realize that those people aren't as different from us as we think, then we can start identifying with them. And maybe as parents, though we live in different countries and we speak different languages and we have different cultures, just maybe we can identify enough to say that maybe you love your children and I love my children and maybe that's something that keeps us not wanting to kill each other. That's what identification does. It happens when we stay with each other long enough that we hear our stories and we begin to identify with each other as people who belong to the same human family. 
Now reconciliation is beginning to happen, but that's not the end of it. Jesus has to go. He knows that two days is not going to change everything, but he's begun to lay out a pattern for us, a model for us that we can begin to follow. And so now Jesus is going to leave. He's saying to the disciples, where I'm going, you can't come with me. And they're freaked out, quite frankly. They're kind of going, what do you mean we can't come with you? We've left everything to follow you. And so now they're, they're standing here. Jesus is going to be taken away from them, and Jesus is giving them some last-minute hope and encouragement and instruction, a commandment, if you will. And he says to them, now that you've watched the model that I've laid for you for the past three years, I have lived with you, and you realize that I'm who I say I am, and you begin to identify with each other, and you become a community of people who would not have been friends had it not been for me. And now that you've become a family, a community, hotheads like John and James and big mouths like Peter, you've become something new. You're my followers now. And so I tell you what's going to happen. I don't want you to go out unprepared. So I am going to send my Holy Spirit and you will receive power when my spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Listen, he's saying, I'm not going to send you out without preparation. So realization moves into identification. Identification leads to preparation. We begin realizing that we don't have it all and we don't hold all the answers and we need help. And so Jesus knows we need help. And so I, I think here in this text, Jesus says, you need to be empowered and you need to be equipped. And I'm not going to send you out to be world-class Christians without it. Which is why your four years at Goshen are so crucial to your preparation. Which is why you have people like me who have the opportunity to come and have influence with your community. Because this is a part of our preparation process. But it doesn't mean a thing if we stay in the pews with it. We've got to do something with it. And so Jesus says, now the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses. And let me tell you where you're going to go. You're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and, Sam and Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You've got to activate this. You've got to put this into practice. You've got to put feet to it. Get out there. You've got to do stuff with it. So realization leads to identification. A new community starts to form. And then that community gets prepared together to take real action together. And so now they're supposed to go into communities like Jerusalem. And I believe that, that, that the, uh, the followers of Jesus said, okay, Jerusalem, we could do that. That's like Mennonite to Mennonite. We could do it. You know? And then Judea. Eh, we could do Judea. You know, they're a little different from us. That's like reaching out to the goth community, maybe, or to, you know, Republicans, or... <laughs> we speak the same language, though we don't see life exactly the same. But then he said, Samaria. You're going to go to Samaria. The side of the tracks that you don't go to, and the people who don't hold your political or social views. And you're going to be my witnesses with them. Before it's all over, you're going to get to the whole world. And I want to suggest to you that like most of us, the followers of Jesus stayed isolated and alienated in their own little holy huddle. They had a prayer meeting. They said, we hear what God wants for us, but we think we'll go pray about it. And good Christians do that well. We committee it. Some denominations will committee it to death. Some of us will think about it and have, write papers about it. Others will pray about it. I come from the pray about it group. But we find ourselves not because we're mean-spirited, but we all know what it is we know best, and we seek to hold on to it and preserve it, right? It's just our human tendency. We know what it feels like to be this community, and it's safe to us. So 
even though we hear Jesus saying, I want you to move out into a world that's waiting for you, Goshen. I want you to get out there with people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't speak your language. They don't hold all the same values you do, but you're going to go out with them and you're going to get out amongst them. You're going to go to people groups that you don't like and they don't like you. And like the disciples, we tend to stay stuck. So we need what I'm calling catalytic events. If I had to give this sermon a title, I'd call it Shake It Up. Because I think that God has to shake us up sometimes. That's why the jagged lines. I wish catalytic events were nice and cushy and they felt great. Usually they rock our world. And that's what happened with Pentecost. Pentecost came and they were in the prayer meeting and they were being all nice about it and yes Lord we're praying and all of a sudden folks caught on fire. Now that'll change your prayer meeting in a minute. <laughs> People you know your neighbor's on fire. So, so all of a sudden they come tumbling out. People are speaking different languages. I'm telling you there's Latinos speaking and all of a sudden Jews are speaking uh, 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 Spanish and, and Russian and you hear a little Cambodian and some and you're thinking what's going going on their language is Korean can you do you believe this I hear Farsi what's going on and not only did they hear it when they tumbled out because they were on fire that brings new meaning to being fired up they were fired up so they get out and everybody else hears them it draws a complete crowd and they hear the word of God like their mama is talking to them that's what the text says that they heard the word of God in their mother tongue, their heart language. It was like somebody heard their mom calling them from the back porch. And they said, what is this? Those catalytic events is what pushes us into the realization that there are other people that God wants to reach. And there are people who don't look like us or think like us who are as devout as we are. And that we are part of a family with them, whether we like it or not. And now we got to prepare ourselves to be in partnership with them. We've got to count the cost individually and institutionally to be the people of God. We've got to figure out that we can't do this in our own human strength and we're going to have to be spiritually equipped and we're going to have to ask God for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says God. And we're going to need that more than we need anything else to do this work that is so humanly impossible. And then we're going to have to get out there and try it. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to offend and step on toes. But if we stay at it, that process will move us from preservation, holding on to the same things we've known all our lives, and it will move us to the transformation that will produce reconciliation for the kingdom of God. It has been my pleasure and my privilege to share this thinking with you. May I pray for your community. Lord God, I thank you for this privilege to lay this model out before this, this group of people in this gathering place. I thank you for how attentively they've listened to what you've had to say. And I'm grateful for the new direction I sense for Goshen College. I believe that it's a new day. And I believe, Lord God, that you have great things. I hear you saying, for I know the plans I have for you, says God, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future, the future that you hoped for. I thank you, Lord God, that it may not come in the way we think it should come, but I thank you that you are transforming us by the renewing of our minds, that we're moving from holding to things in preservation, and we're moving to letting it go, engaging the process that will change our lives, change our communities, and change our world. Come Holy Spirit and do a new thing at Goshen College, we pray, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.
Thank you so much.